On today's show, we're sharing the eight habits that are going to change your life, change your career. We've worked with some of the best, smartest, millionaires, billionaires. We are going to break down what they do that's different. And by the way, none of them are that hard. We're going to unlock these secrets for you all on today's episode. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO at Zapier. And this is Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. There is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Kieran, we have a show that is one of our favorite types of show. We are talking about smart people doing smart things. We are going to give people eight habits that they can do today that newsflash are not hard things to do that can radically transform their life, transform their career, change how they basically can make money, work with others, be happy, all the things we all want in the world. And you've got the perfect setup for us today get to it. Right. I think this is the thing, right? That secrets to success are not that hard, but they are really hard to make habits around. And this was all set up by an incredible tweet that I shared with you from Molly O'Shea. She's a VC over at Upfront TBC Venture Capital. And she tweeted this kind of risk by Thrive Capital's Joshua Kushner, who is an incredibly smart person. He's on Patrick O'Shaughnessy's podcast. Check out how I pronounce that name. I'm getting much, much better, which is an incredible podcast. Oh, And it was like really cool. Like this is like specifically for investors and talking about some of the most important traits that successful investors have. And it got me really thinking like, what are the traits that we have seen up close and personal from really successful people that we've worked with? As you said in the intro, we've been really lucky to work with incredibly successful people, millionaires, billionaires. And like, it's really interesting to see what they do well and how you can actually start to implement some of their habits into your day-to-day work and day-to-day life. Also, Kieran, I would say just simple life hack to get started. If you see investing advice, you can literally just cross out investing and write life. I agree. All investing advice is just life advice. Right. And I think people get bogged down like, oh, this is about money. I don't have any money or I don't have the money to do this in this way. It's like, no, no, no. This is just life advice for you to change your mindset, change your attitude. And that is the first thing that we want you to do today is look at any advice, especially investing advice, as life advice. Right. And I think the- You have a hard time We can with start with- <laughs> So we could, we debated this on the show. So we could do what I really like this one because this is a new one. Being bored is the best way to figure out what to do. Oh, okay. And I like what, this. what his point is basically is like, we are all on the hamster wheel. And when you're on the hamster wheel, it is really hard to figure out like, what is the right thing to do? Like, what is the most important thing to do? Like, where should I spend my time? I liken it to, again, I will bring up my favorite metaphor in this because I enjoy fighting, which is the way fighters approach a fight. Like if you actually think about technology, what happens in technology for the most part is you go into a career, fast-paced job, you run on the hamster wheel, then you go, oh, like I got pulled into like another company, I'll go join that and run on the hamster wheel. And you're just like, run, 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 run. So if you are in tech and you're like a fighter, you're always in fight mode, right? You're always in fight camp. You're always training for the fight. You're always fighting. 
what fighters do between fight camps. Like fight camp does not get you better at fighting. Fight camp gets you trained and in shape for the fight. Where fighters actually improve is actually in between fight camps when they can just like be much more quiet, play around, be in the gym, playing around, learning new techniques. And I think that is kind of similar to this, which is like, there has to be periods of calm. There has to be periods of like bored. And I am f***ing terrible at being bored. <laughs> like horrible. <laughs> Last night I had a laptop, my phone, the screen going. I'm like, what am I f***ing doing here? <laughs> but I think it's really good advice. <laughs> do I need to fly to Ireland and have a little oh, intervention I don't know what's for happening. you? Like, I think it's because I work late because I'm doing like most of the people yeah. I'm managing are West Coast. So good. like it's 11 p.m. And I'm just like, like <laughs> multiple screens. So like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm on the phone. I'm on the laptop. I'm trying to like chill out and watch it on the TV. Ah, oh, it's a mess. It's a total mess. Okay, if you're watching this episode up to this point, first of all, hit subscribe. Second of all, thank you, thank you so much for watching. Third of all, raise your right hand and repeat after me. Busy is not helpful. Busy does not make me more money. Being busy is not a badge of honor. We have come in this society to think that busy means we're important, that busy means we're good, and that busy is a proxy for making more money. All that is total crap. I am not that busy, but I am deeply focused. Call in, HubSpot, HR team. No, but I'm like, I, <laughs> I, know, will I, over, I will not overbook myself yeah, because I, I want to work on the things that matter. I want to think about the things that matter. I want to learn and discover new things. Because the other thing that busy gets you... It forces you to be insular. You don't learn right? new like if stuff. If you're busy at your job, all you do is spend talking to people at your job yep, yep. about the same little shit that you're doing versus going out and learning from the world, exactly. seeing how other people are doing things, and then rethinking how you are doing and how that work actually should be done. Right. I couldn't agree right? more with this. I think, um, how many times have we talked to people who have been in a company for a long time cocoon themselves in that company and think through the lens of only solving problems in the way that company solve problems. The shortcut to success, the shortcut to success is spending time with other people who have done the thing you want to do and have done it in different ways. Like you get different perspectives, different lenses, different angles, but not just that. The other thing that you're really good at is you go learn new things all the time. You'll come back and said, I've just learned this whole entire thing. I've read a hundred books. I remember them all because I've got some sort of weird memory. And then you make me feel really bad because I'm like, well, it took me literally memory. a year to learn that shit. I'm not going to try to learn all that stuff. But you go out like, and try to learn new things and then you try to apply them to like your role, right? Well, what's the point? First of all, what's the point of learning something you're not going to use? Yeah, That's exactly. I do. I, so I, this is a really good point. Is that a good habit or a bad habit? Because I think I, I won't do anything unless I think it's, I'm going to be able to apply it in some sort of way. And then I'm like, well, but you have to be able to, do things and enjoy them. So I started like example for well, me. No, I because I disagree. I think anything has application. Okay, let me give you an like, example think... and see if you can give me an application for this. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. All let's right. go. Sam Parr, shout out to Sam Parr, recommended the book on Twitter. I DM'd him this because I bought the book. It's about like a historical shipwreck. <laughs> okay. During the Spanish Armada time. I think you probably can apply it because there's a lot of like resilience in the story. There's a lot of like traits in the story you could apply to your own life. Well, I bought it because I was like, I want to learn nothing from this book. Well, first of all, Kieran, any book that involves a boat involves a captain. And any captain is a leader. And so right off the bat, there are leadership there lessons, are leadership failures, lessons. what have you, that come straight from the captain. Like, if I was reading this book, I would immediately think like, oh, what's the captain doing? Are they doing a good job, a bad job, a horrific job? The shipwreck, so 
TLDR, horrific job, I imagine. Imagine not a good job. Captain, right? It's a fascinating book. Sam made a great recommendation. He's going through like good books at the moment. But but this is a good example. It's like read that book and maybe just take 15 minutes and write down what the traits of that captain are and be like, am I any of those things? Like, I don't want to wreck the ship, right? Like, am I doing any of the things in my day to day life that that captain is doing? Because if I am, I should really change that right right now because otherwise i'm going to like wreck the metaphorical ship that is my life right the thing i learned kip is and this is what i'm applying to my like leadership style is as soon as i see any of my team with scurvy i'm going to isolate them and move them to a different room (laughs) hand of an orange slice or what (laughs) that is what i learned oh scurvy disease is rife on boats and you need to isolate really fast (laughs) (laughs) okay now the detour from scurvy I want to give one quick corollary to this trait, right? This trait is all about just not being busy, not getting stuck in the way things are doing. There's a little corollary to this one. If you work with anyone who says, this is the way we've always done it, oh, God. fire them or run, right? Because that is also a proxy for how you get bad busy. Yeah. Bad busy is doing stupid things that are not going to be important. Yeah. And the second somebody says, this is how we've always done it, it's like, oh, oh, we are de- the ship is going down right. in this metaphor. Or you like, hire the are, person from the we competitor. We are not successful. And they, can, and they say, this is how we did it. Like, you can say, this is how we did Soul it crushing. as like an idea or a thought exercise. You know, we did it this way. Oh, we did that this way. We did that this way. We did that this way. You can't do that. Every problem is a new thing to look at. Work is not about the how it's done. It is about the problem you're solving. Right. Right? It's not about the steps you take to solve that problem. It is about how that problem needs to be solved in that specific situation. And I think like one of the traits he talked about, which is universal to the way that we have thought about even hiring teams, people we like to work with, founders we like to invest in. He had this like really good quote where he said like, number one, in terms of the characteristics that he's seen, great investors have in common, but again, applicable to all people who are trying to build a company, trying to build a team. There is no substitute for hard work or willingness to outwork someone else. The quote he had was, if you can choose between the most experienced person, the most educated person, and the person who wants it most, always pick the person who wants it most. And I think there is this like real skill to pair with the tenacity of someone. But I do think like being able to have some sort of prior arc or prior history to being able to do the thing you want them to do. But really the thing that truly will make that person successful is like they want it, right? You can be the smartest person in the room. You can have the best experience in the room. But like, if you're like, I've kind of done this before, or I've kind of seen the playbook before, and I'm not that motivated to do it again, you're probably not as good as the person who doesn't have those things, but just wants to win. Right. And this is our habit number one, is work with or pick or hire somebody who just deeply wants it and is willing to be relentless in going after that. And adopt those categories yourself. The reason for this is, because reminder, humans are inherently selfish. Every human looks at the world like, it's all about me. What is in this for me? And so to get what you want, you have to be so relentless because you have to break through that barrier of selfishness, right? And Kieran, I think you and I have done this countless times, right? Where it's like, in the early days of SEO, it would be, oh, I'm just going to email this site a hundred times to get a link right. on this site back right. back to my website. Or, you know, we have our big inbound event in Boston for HubSpot. It's like, oh, we'll pester people to speak for years on it. 
there are some speakers that it has taken three, four, five years of outreach to get on and signed up to make happen. And that is why that persistence is so incredibly important. I think there's a couple of things to that. First of all, one of the interesting things, Mike, this really kind of struck a chord with me. And so when I started my career in marketing, I was behind everyone else because I actually had a prior career. You know, most people I know went to marketing straight from either university or like was the first thing they really tried. My thing, I was like a software developer and I really tried that for like three to four years. And then so I restarted in marketing and started right from the start. And I remember going to like my first uh, team meeting when I joined this kind of Irish agency and I walked in and I joined with the other graduates and they were there in their suits, right? Like first roll out of university. Here I am like four or five years out of university. I'm like, oh, geez, I really f- this up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm, you know, visibly not the same, right? Visibly older, have more bills, have more expenses to pay. And I was like, what am I actually going to do here? Because if I start at the same starting point as everyone else, then I'm just going to like progress at the same rate as them. And I actually couldn't do that because I, first of all, I couldn't actually afford my rent anymore because <laughs> I was earning okay money as a software engineer, was not earning good money as a graduate marketer. And so I just made a commitment to myself, which is like, I'm just going to outwork everyone. So I'm going to actually work 20 hours more than anyone else is working. So I would just ask people like, you know, how many hours are you getting done a week? Like, what does your regular week look like? And I was like, okay, well, like if that person was better than the last person, then they're my new baseline. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do 20 hours more than you're going to do. Now, what we don't talk about in tech is like, I came with some awful trade-offs, right? Friends, relationships, uh, relationships with my family, like all of these things suffered hugely in my first like five, six years, like that long in tech, uh, lost tons of friends, you know, really had to build back relationships in my family, did not see them for a long period of time. And I just made this commitment to myself that I did not want to be the same as like everyone else who started in the classroom. Yet. I wanted to try to accelerate my career. And sometimes we just don't talk about the sacrifice as much as we talk about the upside. There's one way to minimize that sacrifice, which is to not just work hard, but work hard on things that are important that nobody else is doing. Right. And this is kind of my hack on this first habit. When I was getting started in marketing, blogging was real big. And so I would just wake up before the workday started and I'd write a blog post every day. And so it wasn't like I was working an extra six to eight hours a day, but I was taking a good hour and a half in the morning and doing this thing that I thought was high leverage and turned out to be high leverage. Turns out how I got to work at HubSpot, like completely changed the trajectory of my life, made me more money than I could ever think possible. But it was, I did that and I did it in a very disciplined way every single day. Right. Right. It's the grind. That is sometimes what wanting it more means is taking a minute, seeing the opportunity and doing that thing that other people are unwilling to do or don't yet know they should do. Right. A really smart person told me this before and he mentioned this in this uh, section where he talked about hiring the people who want it more. And I've heard this before from like people who hire really uh, like execs within Silicon Valley and it's like hire someone with a chip on the shoulder. (laughs) And I've heard that all, like the person told me, hire the person who has complete imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. but is incredibly capable and talented. Because they will never just stop trying to like out, like they will never stop that grind. They're out to, They're prove, out to prove something, something, right? They want to go and they want to prove themselves to the world. And while that might be mentally unhealthy in some <laughs> yeah, ways, it is very. That's good what I'm thinking. Like, it probably is the momentum like, of probably like is making like, work happen. You know, the the people who fit that archetype, it does not mean they're always in balance. Like, I am one of those people who feels like. I'm not always in balance, but it's just part yeah, and parcel of bullshit. But yeah. that's that's another show for another it. day. All right, all right. Trait number two. Let's go. Trait number two. Um, I like this one because it's something that you've said before as well a lot, which is constant articulation that there are very few decisions that actually are important. Yes! Only a few things matter, folks, and you have to know the things that matter. 
Most people fail because they spend most of their time doing and worrying about things that do not matter at all. I'm going to repeat that again. Most people fail or do not have what they want in life because they are spending time doing or worrying things that don't matter at all. Look, I think people think I'm a monster sometimes because, because like this is just how I live my life. <laughs> Some people are like, why don't you care more about this? Or why aren't you upset? I'm like, well, that just doesn't matter. Like it literally just doesn't matter. Right. Like it has no bearing on my life. And this is kind of the antithesis of first principles thinking. Once you are clear on what are the principles, what are the things that really matter in this problem, right? For example, Kieran, when you and I started working together at HubSpot, the thing we knew is like, man, demand. Generating demand matters. If we generate demand, we can kind of mess up everything else, but the business is going to grow. People are going to be happy. We'll live to fight another day, right? Right. And so there were a lot of times we should have done other things and we just didn't do it because we were like, okay, we could do this, but I don't want to risk messing up the thing that ultimately matters and the thing that at this stage of this organization is actually going to make it win. I remember we used to call that digital real estate. And then the meeting we had, you remember the meeting we had where we were like trying to figure out all the stuff that we could do. And then you were like, should we just double traffic on the blog and then not do any of the other stuff? And we're like, yeah, probably like it's going to be really hard, but <laughs> probably, we should probably we just, should do, just that. do that. <laughs> and then we did that. Well, like we actually that, wouldn't. That's a good example. Like everybody's having a brainstorm this week that they're, that they're watching the show. And it's like, literally, all you need to do is do one thing from that brainstorm. Right. You just have to pick the most important thing. And it has, the results can't be like, well, we actually 10x the blog from there, but it can't be a, you know, oh, yeah, we a, did. a percentile shift. You have to have one thing, but that one thing has to then be the result has to be transformational. The upside has to be well, transformational. Right. So so if you're saying, oh, great, Kip and Kieran, I want to focus on what's important. This is generic, stupid advice. What you would say is, no, no, no. It's actually very good advice. How you know something is important is because it has very big impact on how you make money or how you grow your business, and you think you can grow it 10x. Right. If you think you can make something 10x better, 10 times better, then just focus on that and nothing else. Yeah. And even if you only make it five times better, it will be transformational, right? right? This is really one of the best things that you can learn from just going through a growth course and Reforge, shout out to Balfour, is the growth model. And the growth model is basically like reverse engineer the business for the levers in terms of how your business actually grows. And then like be able to like figure out the ones that actually truly matter. And too often, we don't really understand like the, the levers that go into what, churns out the, the metrics on the so other it's end. It's twofold. We don't understand the big levers that are going to help us be better as people or better in our jobs. And the second thing is, is we indulge ourselves in the things we're interested in. Well, like, oh, I think this is cool. I'm interested in this. So I'm just going to do it. Or the things we like, think well, we can cool. You're actually. That. It doesn't matter at all. Or, or we don't think big enough. Like we indulge ourselves in the things where we can like tweak the needle on something. And so we can feel yeah, like we got a course. wing because we moved the conversion rate by a percentile. But we're too scared to take on the thing where you're like double the thing. In marketing parlance, it's like, cool. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to update my email marketing template. Yeah. <laughs> make my emails look better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's yeah. a yeah. dumb thing yeah. to do. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. How good your email templates look. Once you hit the baseline of how good they need to look, nothing above that actually matters. But people want to do that because it's easy. It's safe. You can feel like you got to win. And it's something they get to like tinker around with and learn some more skills. But unfortunately, that just doesn't matter. Right. Ruthless prioritization is a skill that most people do not have. Correct. And it's a skill that most people do not have because you have to have many uncomfortable conversation 
and people are unwilling to do that, especially in tech. Some like I feel like we're getting back there, but like there was a period in time in tech where it was like, don't rock the boat. Employees need to be happy. We don't want to churn out people. Like we're not going to have hard conversations. You hated the soft, uh, what I called the soft tech. The soft era. tech era was not my the era. Soft, the tech <laughs> do, not, went soft. do not fit well Tears in the soft like, tech era. I want out of this game. <laughs> I should go work somewhere else for a while. Come back when we're like getting back to like doing work and trying to hit home runs. That's where I thrive. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, can I tell you what I think my most important trait of this entire show is? Yes. My most important trait of this entire show is something, it's not that popular of a term, it's called intellectual honesty. Right. Okay, that you want to be and you want to work with people who are intellectually honest. What does that actually mean? It means a few things. So, so Brian Halligan, who we worked with for a long time at HubSpot Carrot, I think is one of the most intellectually honest people I know. And what that translates to is they're willing to admit problems. They can tell you, oh, this is going well, this is going terrible. And because they're intellectually honest and they can admit what's not going well, they could go and solve those problems, one, faster, and so that like you avoid them, two, faster so that they don't get turned into big, huge problems that kill your business. They stay small, tiny problems that you have to work through for weeks, months, whatever to get through, but then you get through and the business is ready for another period of growth, right? That is what intellectual honesty is. Like, I will never remember Brian being like, look, our net promoter score isn't good enough. Our product isn't easy enough to use. We have to have a clear focus on doing that. Most people would say, oh, our customers are stupid. They don't understand what we're trying to do with this product. Our product's amazing. That is the very simple difference. Be the first version of that, not the last version of it. Be the person that says, oh my gosh, we are totally wrong. We totally messed this up. Put all pride, put all ego aside, and the faster you can iterate on these problems, the more intellectually honest you can be with yourself, the better you're going to be. Right. Totally agree. I think recognizing your own problems, even away from just like being a founder, like if that's part of your trait, you're going to be able to resolve those much, much quicker. The best people that I've worked with, when I do a performance review, the best people I work with, they'll go first and they'll like do their own performance review. And I'm like, I have nothing more to offer. <laughs> like, it's like, they're like, here's where I think I'm doing it. It happened to me really recently. Like this person, I thought they did an amazing job. They came in like, here's where I'm failing. Here's where I'm succeeding. Here's why I'm failing. And here's where you can help. And here's where I need to help myself. And I was like, boy, that's like, 
that's how you do it. Like, that's how you do it. Did you did you just want to slow clap that person? I was just like, this, you've got it. Like, you've got it. Like, and I think that is a skill to learn. It is. It's such an important skill to learn because look, at the end of the day, you can have an incredible manager. You can have an incredible person you work with, but you are your own best advocator for your success. Like your success is for the most part dependent on yourself. You got to know yourself. Most of the mistakes you make is because you're just lying to yourself and pretending you know yourself when you don't really know yourself. Right. Because knowing yourself is hard because you have to admit fallibility. You right. have to admit those things that you know you're inherently not good at, right? Like, I can tell you that you should never play name that tune with me because I am tone deaf, right? Like, I will tell you that, like, I don't li- literally give a shit about details at all. Right. Like, not even a little bit. And that causes a whole bunch of problems, yeah. right? Like, once you can tell those things about yourself, then the whole world opens up to you. Right. Actually, pretty funny. I, this week, we had a conversation with someone at work. We were going through things and I was like, look, they're like talking through some uh, feedback on an operator model processes, things like that. And I was like, and I'd given feedback on that. And I was like, I could be wrong. I think I'm pretty mediocre at these things. So like the, the likelihood that I'm wrong is like pretty high. So you should not feel that I am telling you the right things. This is not where I spike. Like this is like, I think I'm good enough to keep up to date of where I need to be. This is not where I spike. This is not where I excel. And I think that to your point, is like you always used to say, I'm not the details person. Like, this isn't where I spike. This is not where I'm going to excel. So they call me out on that stuff. But you actually have to have confidence to be able to say that. Like, you have to be like very comfortable with yourself. And like, I still am okay with myself if I tell someone I'm not good in these areas because I truly believe I'm like really great in these areas. And this is where I should spend my time. And so I think that is a skill worth learning. But it's like, at the same time, you also know what your strengths are. Like, I can give you a brilliant idea on the fly in 10 seconds, right? right? Like, I'm, I'm like that. And so you have to know the balance of, where you are. Right. And if you don't know that, then you're ultimately going to fail. But just like a quick hack for everybody watching the show today, one of the ways to adopt any of these traits is to come up with what you are going to say, both to yourself and to others, to reinforce this trait. So for example, for intellectual honesty, one thing that I say a lot, Kieran, is like, that's just one person's opinion. This is just like, I'm just giving you my perspective. I may or may not be right. Exactly. I don't know. Yep. Right? And there are certain things like that that you can just say. And you can say things like, oh, what's the worst aspect about this thing that we're working on? What are we doing the worst? Because there's always something that's the worst. Even if you're doing something well, there's something that is relatively way worse than everything else. And if you ask yourself those types of questions and you share those questions with the people you're working with, it reinforces this behavior, this attitude, these traits that are going to transform how you work. Agreed. I can give you one, my last one, that I think, it's something that we've gotten away from coming back to my like tech when it was like all or nothing tech when it was like soft tech when it's coming back to like, <laughs> we want to win. I think a really great trait to have in your team members and you yourself, you know, the person I'm going to use as an example here is my good buddy, Nicholas Holland. Now, Nicholas <laughs> is a GM over at HubSpot, incredible product leader, a good friend. And whenever I talk to Nicholas at HubSpot, you know, outside of just our usual getting into like each other's lives and how we're doing when we're, get, when we're talking about work. One of the- f- You talk to people about your life? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A few, you, Nicholas. <laughs> uh, let's see who else. That's about it. you're a robot. <laughs> like three or four people. <laughs> like three or four, three or four people. people. know who I am, truly. <laughs> it was just me. I'm glad yeah. that It's like you, Nicholas, Anne-Marie, my parents, a little bit my brothers, <laughs> a little bit my sister. But apart from that, everyone, bit- everyone just thinks I'm a- square box on a screen. So there you go. <laughs> Although I'll be at Inbound this year. So like, come up and say, hi, we're going to be at Inbound. Yeah. All right. So I would go into a Nicholas conversation. I would come out feeling like I'd been in a sparring match, right? 
And what he's really good at is like asking you that extra why that's an uncomfortable, like that's uncomfortable for most people to ask. Like, tell me why you believe that. And I would give some answer and I would get frustrated because I'm like, I'm giving you the answer, but I'm really not giving him the answer, right? Like he's like, no, that's not the why. Like, tell me the actual why, right? I'm like, dude, I'm giving you the why. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) What's going on in your life? How are you doing today? And, uh, And I wasn't giving him the why, right? Because, and we've lost, I think we've lost a little bit of that, like, Ability to have those, what I would call semi-uncomfortable conversations, but I actually do enjoy them. I enjoy like the the back and forth. And what he's really trying to get to is like, you need to understand why you believe something. You need to understand why you did that thing. You need to understand why you're telling me and my engineers to build that thing. You need to understand why you're telling the business to invest in that thing. And it can't be like surface area level. You have to thought deeply about it and be able to connect the answer to those questions. And too often when we were in meetings and I saw it like during the period of time where everything was going well for tech, it's like, we just... Sounds fine. That's yeah. probably like your why is probably the why, and we shouldn't really get into it here. And this because I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. That's not a good teammate. No, that's not the teammate you want to work with. You want to work with a teammate where sometimes you do feel like that teammate has beat you up. Sometimes you do feel frustrated with them. Sometimes you do feel like, geez, like why won't they just like stop badgering me and beating me up in this meeting? They're doing it for the right reasons. And I think that is a example of a very high performing team when you have people that push on that why that sometimes are uncomfortable with each other, that sometimes are frustrated with each other. But at the end of the day, they all go to Avon's in Boston after like a good day at HubSpot, have a baked Alaska and feel very good about life. I freaking love baked Alaska. Uh, shout out to Yvonne. Oh my God, dude. Okay. I have so much baked Alaska. In serious kind of framing here, I think about this all about like getting crystal clear on the problem, right? Like getting crystal clear on the problem versus the solution is a key trait. Most people in this world are solution-obsessed and not problem-obsessed. And if you go to Kieran's story of Nicholas, he's asking those whys because he's trying to get the simplest, clearest, most pure distillation of a problem. Oh, this is the problem, and now that I have that really clear problem, I can figure out the best solution to it. Most people just come up with solutions in search of problems, and that is why they fail, right? And you're saying, do the hard work. Have the debate, have the conversation around getting to the crystal clear problem. Feel comfortable in the uncomfortableness. Yes. We've lost that a little bit. Like feel comfortable in the uncomfortableness. It's not a bad thing. People think you're being a bad person if you are making someone feel uncomfortable. If you're doing that for the wrong reasons, then you are like, but if you were doing it for the right reasons, that's a high functioning team. Well, look. Like you have to feel comfortable in the uncomfortableness sometimes. Look, somehow we now live in a world where intentions don't matter at all. Right. And that's freaking stupid. Agreed. Intention should matter. Intentions are an important part of this world. But I digress because I could scream at people about this topic for like an hour. Um, So instead, I'm going to smile and move on. Okay. I'm going to give you what I think, you know, we're, we're listing out these traits. This is the trait that I think everyone should adopt as their default attitude. Okay. You ready? I think everybody should adopt the paranoid optimist attitude. Oh, yes. Talk to me. Preach. Bring this. I need this one. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) pessimists are miserable to be around, first of all. You're like, oh, my God. Why is everything wrong? Why is everything bad? And you just suck the energy out of the Hey, Ireland. (laughs) Irish people. (laughs) I love the Irish, but you all are pretty pessimistic. Okay. The flip side of that is optimists. People drive them equally as crazy because it's like, Oh, they're just not realistic hey, at all. Americans. They think everything is butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> hey, Americans. It's wonderful. <laughs> and what's really happening is you need to be a paranoid optimist. You need to believe anything is possible. You need to see the best in people and the best in any situation. But you need to be paranoid 
around those outlooks. Basically meaning like, hey, you know, Kieran, we're going to get this podcast to a million people watching us every month. I have no doubt about that. I believe that in my core. But I can also tell you the 20 reasons why that wouldn't happen. Oh, wow. If Kieran and I, if we can't constantly get better as hosts, man, that's not going to happen. Right. If we don't care enough about the guests we bring on, oh, it's not going to happen. If we don't research well enough, that's not going to happen. Right? Like you can keep listing those things out. That is paranoid optimism because it is like I have full belief and I believe so strongly about that that I can name all of the ways that will not happen. And I'm going to be paranoid about those things happening to make sure that they don't happen. I have a perfect story for this. So oh, yes, when I, I accidentally it. joined a cult um, – <laughs> Hold on. This is, you know this story. This I accidentally is the time Kieran accidentally yeah, joined I a cult. I accidentally joined a cult or uh, around your linguistic programming, but like I didn't know that actually a lot of that stuff is built like it's a real thing, like Tony Robbins. Your linguistic crewing is how cults are built. Yeah, dude. Well, like it's like, you know, Tony Robbins, this unconscious thing where you can reprogram your brain. It's a real thing, right? You can unconsciously reprogram your brain. It totally is. But it turns out there's a lot of weird kind of cultish behavior around it. So I accidentally went to this thing pay like $3,000 actually to go to this thing. And this is when I was trying to find myself between engineer and marketing. I was very lost. Uh, I would, you were real lost. I would join a cult. I would do anything to try to get out of that. <laughs> That's fake. You, you, were, you were literally like prime cult bait. I was like, oh, like, I was oh, a wall. Reel I had, this guy in. I had a sign on me like, willing to join cult. <laughs> totally lost. <laughs> and but, this, but there was like a couple of great things in there, right? So there was one, this guy was talking about like the, you know, how to become, successful and how to be a millionaire. And he had like a really good example of what you're talking about, which is you need to have the right mix of pessimism and optimism or the right mix of trying to move away from something and move towards something. And if you're trying to, if you have too much pessimism and you get just enough away from it, like you'll lose your motivation, right? If you're trying to move away from something, you'll get a little bit up in the curve and then you kind of just lose your motivation and you're, you're fine there. You don't have any, any ambition to go higher. But if you're moving towards something, if you're only moving towards something, you don't have the right amount of fear, as you said, the, the right amount of pessimism to like be really rigorous, to be really diligent yes. about like that work that you're doing. You're like, oh, I kind of really want to be a millionaire, but I'm not willing to put in the work, right? I actually, why I want to be a millionaire because I dream of big cars, but then I don't have the fear of like not making it, living on the street, not having the life I want, all of those things that will push you away from it. That was like the one chart that always resonated with me is like the perfect blend is in the middle where I have ambition and I want to be something, I'm optimistic but I have like some real fear about failure, like coming back to like some of the archetypes we talked about earlier on. Like I have a chip on my shoulder or like I just want it really hard, but I have a fear about the failure. I have a fear, fear about the repercussions and living in the middle is like a real skill, a real art. Yeah, to live in the middle of anything, you got to go back and forth between the ends, right? Like you just can't stay in the middle. Sometimes you're too one way, sometimes you're too much the other way, but it's that, it's that art of going back and forth that helps to kind of keep you in that middle, right? Yeah. Exactly. All right, I got one last quick one because I think it's important. My last trait here, which is kind of an adaptation of one of the traits that Josh Kushner outlined in the notes from his talk, but it is be a simplifier, eliminate complexifiers. Yes. And what that means is you have to ruthlessly simplify things. What is the minimum viable process, information, skills, whatever it may be needed to do this thing? Because that's what you should do and no more than that. And simplification comes in most importantly to how you communicate with others. If you are explaining something, it takes five minutes, nobody's going to understand, right? If you're explaining somebody, it takes you 30 seconds, almost everybody's going to understand. And you need to take a second, look around your life, and who are the complexifiers? Who are the people that are just adding undue process? They're creating all these steps 
largely because they're overthinking it. They are overthinking about it, and they're thinking about all the different variables, and they're trying to account for all the variables versus just the variables that matter. See earlier trait, right? Like the best simplifiers are also people who can focus on what truly matters and what only matters. And so complexifiers is an early way to see somebody who's not good at focusing on the things that matter because they're just creating complexity because they're trying to account for all the things, how everybody feels. That's, that's not good. Like yeah. that is how you end up with what we, we call an uninspired compromise. You do something that is just a wash of what everybody says and wants, and it means nothing to anybody. Right. I think there's another reason. For me, it's all about the simplification. I think, yeah, he had a great quote, creating simplicity is complex. Yes. I think this is the number one thing that people struggle with. I see it time and again. And I think it's partly because what you said, and then partly because when I see someone overcomplicate something, I think it's they don't truly understand. They're just not an expert in that thing. They don't truly understand that great people are able to simplify something because they truly understand that. They make it sound so easy. You're like, I can do that. Like, that sounds really easy. And yeah. you really can't. Like, but they make it sound that way because they just have such a deep understanding about something. And so you should really think through, like, when I'm explaining this to someone, like, take yourself out of, like, the knowledge you have about it. Put yourself into the shoes of someone that has no knowledge about it and read your thing and ask, can that person understand it? Like, have I really simplified it to why it's really easy to understand the value of this thing? I just see people struggle with this so many times. Like I'm in docs, I'm in all these things trying to tell people like, this makes no sense to anyone other than you, right? It makes no sense to anyone other than you. And this also comes to my kind of point where you have to be able to write yes. and communicate. Like it's like just a skill tool. I don't care what your role is. Modern day tech knowledge worker, you have to be able to write. It is such a skill worth learning. And even if you can simplify something, if you cannot write, it's hard to like bring that to life. And I really think writing is paired with that skill set as something to learn. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to leave us with one thing before we close out the show. Most people want to lead people. Because if you want to make money, you want to be successful in life, business, you need to lead people. You need to be a leader for your friends, your coworkers. If you're an entrepreneur, your employees, what have you, right? If you want to lead people, you need to have confidence. You need to acknowledge your faults. And you need to communicate clearly and simply. Those are the principles of leading. If you look at all of what we talked about, these traits, all of them roll up to being a great leader and a great teammate. And that's how you win. You're a great leader. You're a great teammate. You can win. You can make money. You can accomplish everything that you want. So those are our traits that are going to change your life. They've changed mine. I know they've changed yours, Kieran. We'll be back with you real soon on another episode of Marketing Against the Company.